I don't know how many people have ever um, been in a long-term relationship, long-distance relationship, I mean, anybody? Long-distance relationship? So you know the um, frustrations, the challenges. Well, for Sarah and I, the big part of our dating relationship, we were in separate cities. She was in Athens, Ohio, at Ohio University. I was at Day- in Dayton going to Wright State. And we lived the challenges. We lived the frustrations. And for us, it was, it was really hard to connect. And this was 20 years ago. And in 20 years ago, there was no FaceTime. So I couldn't like look at her, see what was going on. But there also wasn't high-speed internet, so it's not like we could really Skype or any of that type of stuff. It was like a totally different world. And so we couldn't really connect easily. There was no text messaging. We couldn't just text each other throughout the day and be like, hey, this is what's happening. What's happening with you? We couldn't do that. And really, I think I had a cell phone, but it was like per minute type of thing. So it was like you get 200 minutes for the whole month, and you got to like ration them out. Uh, So we couldn't really talk throughout the day, and really, we both had, um, you know, landlines at home, for those of you who remember what that was. You had this phone at home, and you couldn't take it anywhere. It was terrible, but what would happen is we'd have to both be at home to talk. Like, we had to schedule this appointment, and we both were, were really busy. We both were in school. We both had jobs. We both um, were involved in different things. She was involved with Campus Crusade, which is now called Crew. I was involved in leading the youth ministry at the church that I was at. And so we really had a really hard time connecting. I'm getting there. And to top all of that off, Sarah was a mom. And she had Dane. Thank you for ruining the part. So I was busy. She was really busy. And if you know anything about Sarah, you know that she has a mild, undiagnosed narcolepsy. So we would talk, and we'd finally get this chance. We scheduled our appointment. We got home. We got to our landlines, and we started talking. And she could be in the middle of telling me a story and fall asleep. She'd be like, today it was so crazy. I was in class, and then then I... Then you what? Oh, sorry, I fell asleep. You fe- you're, t- you're telling me a story and you fell asleep. Are you kidding me? But then the other way would go is I would be talking to her and I would be telling her this really cool thing. And I'm, you know, what do you think about that after I get done with the story? And all I hear is. <sighs> so it was very difficult for us to connect, for us to talk. We were too busy, too, too, um, it was just too hard to really connect. And I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking that how often we kind of make our prayer relationship with the Lord much like a long-distance relationship. It's hard to connect. You don't see them. It's not like you have FaceTime with God, and you're, you, know, you can see Him up there. And so you have this hard time connecting with God. We oftentimes are so busy that the only time that we really begin to pray is as our head hits the pillow And before we know it, we're sound asleep. But I also think for me, when I would be talking to Sarah, and all of a sudden she'd be asleep, I think we do the same thing with God, that sometimes we don't know, is he really even listening? And I think it really impacts how we pray. Uh, This hard to connect, it's, we're too busy, too tired. Do we really pray? And is he really even listening? And so today, we're going to really be talking about prayer. And, and um, you know, the other day, it was actually probably about two months ago, the leadership team, we were, we were meeting, 
and we were talking about kind of what we were going to do next as like a series. And, and as the leadership team was, was here, we were praying, we were talking, and uh, we were kind of just confessing to each other. We were, as we were praying, it kind of became apparent that prayer is just so important and that it's often so neglected. And so I kind of confess, guys, like prayer is probably one of the things I'm not great at. One of the things I need real help with, and other people on the leadership team were kind of confessing the same thing. And so we kind of made this decision that we are going to spend several weeks going through prayer. And so we're going to dive pretty deep in. And what's really cool is this, is I think that this part's not cool, but I'll get to the cool part, is that all of us in some way, shape, or form in some season struggle with prayer. We can feel distant from God. We can feel too busy. Like, is he really listening? We have all that stuff going on, right? But that's, a, that's been going on for a long time. Like, God created everything as even Keith went back to these signs that kind of tell the story of the Bible. God created everything beautiful, and he walked with Adam in the garden and talked with him. And, like, that's how our relationship with God is designed to look, that we kind of walk with him, talk with him. Uh, but then the fall happened, right? The serpent was like, you know, you should eat from the tree that God told you not to, and they do. And from that mo- moment forward, there's been this break in relationship that, that we, we try to get back to. And then the whole rest of the Old Testament is pointing to the fact that one day there's going to be someone who comes to fix it. And then what is so cool, this is the cool part, is then Jesus is born. And it's said that he is the Messiah. He is the one that's going to fix this problem uh, the problem of sin, but also the problem of us really connecting with God. And so um, then Jesus gets baptized and he comes out of the water and a voice from heaven comes down and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus begins basically saying, look guys, you got a problem, but I am the one who came to fix the problem. And then in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 5 through 7, Jesus goes up and he begins to sit on a mountain and all these people are following Jesus, trying to figure out what all he's got to say. If he's the guy who can fix everything and he's beyond just a guy, who is this? Who is he? And what is he going to say? And so they follow him up the mountain and he sits down on the mountain and he begins to teach. And Matthew 5 through 7 records this, often called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says some crazy things in it. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. But then he goes through and he says all these other things about blessed be, and then he kind of gives a lot of teaching, but really kind of in a nutshell, I think what he kind of says is true riches are not in what you have, but in who you have. I think in that he says, um, I'm not a big math guy, but I'm going to give you a math equation. I think what Jesus says in this is you, if you have nothing except for Jesus, you have everything. But I think in all this Sermon on the Mount, he's also saying, if you have everything there is for this, in this world, but you don't have Jesus, you actually have nothing. And I think that Jesus is giving us this kind of equation for life, that Jesus is life, that Jesus is what we need. And in the middle of all of this teaching, he teaches about prayer. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6. And if you have a Bible, you can flip open to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. This small section of 10 verses we're going to be in for weeks. Uh, We really feel that there's just so much, so profound in this. So we are going to spend quite a few weeks talking about these 10 verses. We're going to read all 10 verses today, but in reality, we're just going to talk about verses 5 through 8 or 9. So, 
Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking on the mountain as he's speaking to all these followers. He says a lot of stuff, and he switches over to kind of talking about prayer, and this is what he says, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that by their many words they would be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. God, we um, come before you, I come before you, acknowledging that prayer is so often a last resort rather than my first inclination. God, I come before you confessing that oftentimes, even as I'm praying, I hear the enemy tell me that it's you're not listening. I come to you um, humbly asking that you would guide this time, that you would teach us what it really means to pray. And God, we thank you so much for Jesus who came to fix the problem that we have, the problem of sin and the problem of feeling disconnected from you. So we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you, when you jump right into the text, you see something. I, I, I'm big on repetition. I, I think if you study the Bible, you read much, and you look for repetition, you will learn so much just by looking at what's repeated. And in this, it says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. There's this expectation that we would be people who pray. But when we pray, it goes through three different things. It says, number one, don't pray to be seen. Number two, pray in solitude. Uh, and number three, pray not to just be heard by others. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take these and we're going to kind of break them down a little bit for the next little bit. So the first one, we're going to do the first two together. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who do it to be seen, but go into a room and close the door. Go, go into a place of solitude as you pray with the Lord. And so um, the Pharisees, if you don't know much about the Bible, the Pharisees were these religious people that really they just wanted to seem like they were the most religious people of the day. I'm sure for those of you who are on Facebook, you probably can identify people who you might say are modern day Pharisees. Um, I'm sure that each of us can at some points in time be guilty of being modern day Pharisees. But there's these Pharisees, they care so much about how they're viewed by other people. They care about their reputation, about their image. And so they want to be seen as these really, really godly people. So they loved getting together in prayer meetings and praying. They loved it, and they, they were big on that. But then Jesus is saying that that's not how we should pray. That's not what we should worry about in those moments where we're praying. We get quiet before the Lord and pray. And what is so cool is if you look at Jesus' life, he modeled this. He didn't just teach this, he modeled this. And Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he went to a desolate place to pray. 
And you see Jesus longing to be with God so much. Like maybe in a way he is in this long distance relationship. Jesus can't come to earth, but he wants to be with God so much that he gets up early, gets away from the distractions and goes and sits with the Lord. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, it says he departed from the people and went to a desolate place and prayed. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says as word about him spread more and more, he would withdraw from people. You know, when I would go and make that two and a half hour drive to Athens to go see Sarah, because I, I wanted to be with her. That's why I went. And when we did, we, we would kind of withdraw. We, it wasn't like, hey, everybody, Brian's in town. Let's get together. We would try to withdraw to, be able to really be able to talk. It wasn't about being seen by others. Can you imagine if I pulled up and I'm so excited to see Sarah and I bring flowers and I come up the walkway and she's like, hang on a second, stop. Let me get my cell phone. She goes in, she gets her cell phone. She says, let me record you coming up the steps with the with the flowers. I'm going to post on Instagram. It'll be great. So, so, so wait. She comes back and she does it and she's posting it and then she's, she's got the pictures and she's like, okay, now lay it out and lay out, like, lay out the chocolates and let me get the picture from six angles and now let me post on Instagram. Hang on. I don't want to say hi to you. Let, let me post it on Instagram to show people how wonderful this relationship is. Would the relationship really be that good? Or would she be more interested in the idea of the relationship? than the relationship. But how often is that kind of what we can fall into a trap of those of us who struggle like Pharisees to where really our prayer is much more about what's being seen rather than what's actually there. Um, but Jesus, he, he just wants to be with God. And even as you see, as Jesus gets toward the end of his life, he knows he's about to die. He goes in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays. And it says that as he's going with the disciples, then he goes away from them, and he falls to the ground to pray. He just wanted to be with God. And, and for me, Sarah was in Athens. I was here. I wanted to see Sarah so bad that there were often times that I would skip school on Friday, on Thursday, sometimes even on Wednesday. I'm not condoning that if you are in school. Um, you should be in class, right? My mom's shaming me right back there. It was, it was the quarter that I was paying for. It wasn't, it wasn't when you guys were helping. It wasn't. Um, but what would happen is it would be like Tuesday, and I'd be like, man, I want to I see her so bad. And I'd be, like, I'd be like playing that. How many classes can I skip before it really becomes a problem for school? And, and, because I wanted to be with her so bad that I would drive. I would make that horrible, boring, two-and-a-half-hour drive. And I would stay till the very last second. And then I would drive home, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, exhausted. Because I just wanted to be with her. And you see the same thing in Jesus. He wants to be with God so bad that he gets up early while it's still dark. He goes away from the people. He withdraws from the people and he sits before the Lord. And yet, so often I think that we are in this, what feels like a long-distance relationship, and it's so much more about being seen. Well, for Jesus, that's not what it's about. Jesus, I think, got away from the people for a couple reasons. One is even found in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says, in, Je in the days of Jesus' flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and with tears to him who is able to save him from death. Like, I think one of the reasons why it's so awesome to be away from people is you can talk 
And nobody thinks that you're crazy because you're talking what looks like to yourself because you're talking to God. You know, for me, I'll say that I used to, a lot of times when I'd be driving, I'd be really praying. And I wish I could say that this is like what my life always looks like. It's not. But there's, there's been seasons where I really just want to talk to God so bad that I'd be talking. This is before you had Bluetooth in your phone or Bluetooth in your car so you could talk on the phone just like you're talking and you don't seem weird. This was before that. So I'd be driving. I'd just be talking to God. And I'd see people look at me like, what is wrong with that guy? There's no way he should be driving. And so then I decide, you know, so I don't look so weird. I'll put my phone up to my ear. And so I'll be talking to God, but I have my phone. That way nobody thinks I'm crazy, you know. But I just, you know, we, if we want to talk to God, that's what we do. And I've found sometimes that if you talk on your phone, it can be practically a helpful thing to talk to the Lord and just grab the phone. I think for, for me, sometimes it's, it's helpful if I get my journal and I write. It's a way that I can feel more like I'm communicating with God. It kind of, in a way, can seem like it removes some of that distance. And it, it takes away me wanting to be seen or to be heard. It's me just wanting to be with God. Um, there are times where I feel weird doing it where I would almost specifically find a chair and, and act as if Jesus is sitting there before me and just talk. And when, when I have done that and been away from people, been able to kind of loud cries and tears to share with the Lord what's going on and how I'm feeling and how I'm frustrated, it's so much more powerful. Um, the last part of that verse, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says that Jesus was heard as he gave these loud cries and tears because of his reverence. You know, I think that we can view that reverence thing kind of wrong, and we can view it as you have to be prim and proper, wearing the right thing, coming the right way. You have to be on your knees, and you have to maybe have some beads, and you have to, like, it's this whole charade. you got to make sure you start the prayer right, and if you, if you start the prayer wrong, you got to start all over. And we kind of, we, we act as if that's reverence. But I can tell you growing up, um, and then also my kids growing up, there are certain kids that are great with parents. You know, like they'll come in, they got all the yes sirs, yes ma'ams, and they're like, yes, thank you so much for having us over, and we really appreciate it. And then as soon as they're away from the parents, it's like those were the friends that were by far the worst. And I can say that in my own life that was the case. I can say that in the life of at least one of my kids, there was one of those that was for sure... That was the situation. But that's not what reverence is. Reverence isn't saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and making sure that you say the right things in the right way and you are dressed in the right way. I think reverence is so much more than that. Reverence is when you're really be able to be real and raw. But you also understand who it is that you're going to. Like, do I really understand and fathom that I am going to the God that created everything in the entire world. He created the Grand Canyon. He created all this beautiful, amazing stuff, and I'm going to him, and he's all-powerful. He's fully in control. He's all-knowing. When I go to him and I'm not trying to be seen, I'm going to him reverently. I think that's what it is. I'm going to him acknowledging who he is, and I'm going to him real and raw, not acting as if I'm this spiritual person. He knows. He knows I'm an idiot. He knows I'm how, how stupid I am more than any of you do, more than my wife does, more than my kids do. And they know I'm an idiot. That word for reverence in the Greek it means to be cautious, to be thoughtful, to be careful, not to offend with a godly fear. 
when we go to the Lord in prayer, do we go to it with that? Do we go to Him in that type of a situation? The other thing that I think that we can do is not only go to Him to be seen, but we can also go to Him to be heard by others. We, sometimes we want to be seen by other people. Sometimes we want to be heard by other people. Again, when I would drive the two and a half hours to go see Sarah, it wouldn't be like, hey, don't say anything about how much you missed me or anything. Let's go sit out in the, in the what was South Green? Is that what it's called? Let's go sit out in South Green, and then you can tell me about how wonderful I am and how much you missed us. Or missed me. Missed us, because I missed Dane, too. But we didn't do that, right? It wasn't about other people seeing the relationship. It was just about us communicating. It's the same thing we talk to God. It's not about being heard. But then if you really read in this and you see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, and also again in verse 32, it says that God knows what you need before you even ask. And if you're like me, that can almost do, do a disservice to your prayer life because I can almost go, he already knows. So why do I talk to him about it? He already knows I'm frustrated. He already knows that I'm super excited. He already knows that I want this, that I need this. And so I, I don't even know if I really need to pray. But when it was Sarah in a long-distance relationship, she knew I missed her, but I still wanted to tell her. Because I just, it was part of the relationship. And it's the same thing with us, with the Lord. He knows what we want. And then I started thinking about this too. Like, you know, there were times when Sarah would fall asleep as we were talking, and there were sometimes when that would make me really mad and frustrate me. Like, I'm talking, wake up, let me finish the story. But other times, I was more than content to just sit and listen to her breathe, which sounds really weird and creepy, I know. <laughs> but we just, I wanted to be with her. I didn't want this two and a half hour distance. I also, we weren't married yet, but I, I wanted to be sleeping in the same bed with her so I could be there. Like, I wanted that relationship to be closer. And it's the same thing when we're with the Lord. Like, I think so many times I worry so much about what I'm saying rather than just realizing I'm just with the Lord. Like, I think it's totally okay to just sit there and just be with the Lord and not feel like I need to say something, not feel like I need to say, oh, our most kind and precious Heavenly Father. You know, I do this thing with my kids and they think I'm weird because I do it, but I'll do this thing where I'll pray in a really weird way before our meal. So I might say something like, oh, fantastic Lord, we thank thee for the wonderful smorgasbord that you have given us and the bounty that you've provided us with. And I, and I try to say the things the most fancy, weird way I can. And they're just like, what are you doing? But I do it partly for two reasons. One, because I think it's funny and nobody gets my sense of humor. But the other reason I do it is to kind of be able to talk to them like God doesn't care about how fancy we come to him. He cares that we come to him. You know, when I got there to go see Sarah, I didn't care if she would have come out in pajamas. I just wanted to see her. And I think it's the same with the Lord. We can so often go to Him in such a way that we want others to hear what we have to say rather than just wanting to be with Him and to, to hear um, from Him. And, and this, again, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, it says they used many words and fancy words and empty phrases. They're trying to seem spiritual and religious. But the same thing was true when I went to go see Sarah. It wasn't like I had thought through this wonderful poem that I could tell her. Like, my love for you is like a dove that flies to and fro. Like, I didn't do any of that. I just was like, dude, I really like you. And maybe that's bad. Maybe I should have been, you know, more colorful in my language. But I just was real. Like, I really, really like you. 
And I think that there's something profound that we can learn in our relationship with the Lord in prayer is if we're just real, just talk to Him. You know, like I think that there are some times where, and I'm guilty of this too, where when we pray, we hear somebody else that sounds like they're just such an awesome prayer, and we're like, man, that is so cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. That's, I like that hedge of protection. Yeah, I'm going to use that. And how many of us are guilty that we, God, we pray for a hedge of protection? We don't know what in the world that means. <laughs> But we're praying for that. And how many times, like if I was talking to Sarah, I'd be like, Sarah, I thank you so much for this day. And Sarah, you are just really great. And Sarah, I really, she would think something was wrong with me. But when we talk to God, we're like, Father, we pray, and Father, and like, I don't mean to do this, but there are some times where I I will count as other people are praying, this is wrong. How many times they say God's name? And you know, it's like, wow. You're trying to like make sure you get his attention? Like he's already listening. Uh, But I do the same thing. I think that we care so much about what we're saying that sometimes we're missing the whole point. We can be so guilty of these empty phrases. You know, when I first became a Christian, I remember a bunch of my friends, we'd go to these prayer meetings and I'd be praying, they'd kind of make fun of me. They called me the just prayer. Um, And here's why. Because I would be like, God, I didn't really know what to say. Like, if you first start praying out loud, you feel really weird, and you know, if, you've, if you haven't really done it, if you've not, I challenge you to be with a group of people where you begin to pray out loud. Um, there's beauty in it. Um, but I would be praying, and I, I'd be like, God, I just, I just thank you for today. And God, I, I, I just really want people to just, just get how awesome you are. And I'd, I'd, I'd pray like that. And so they call me the just prayer. Because I would say just all the time. But you know what I think that it really was going on in me? is There was like, as the word says, there'd be groanings too deep for words. Like I couldn't put to words what I was feeling. And it was the beautiful time where my prayers were really so authentic, where I really wanted to just be with the Lord and for Him to hear what was going on. Um, When we pray... Is it to be seen by others? Is it to be heard by others? Is it to be seen by God? Is it to be heard by God? You know, he says he knows what we want before we ask. Um, You know, I think really ultimately what a lot of this is saying is this, is that God listens to a lot more than what we say when we pray. I think we can worry so much about what we say, but he's looking at something far different than the words He's listening to our hearts. And when you go to him, is he hearing from your heart, God, I'm really too busy? Is he hearing, God, I I don't even really know if you're there. Even though your mouth is saying, you are glorious, wonderful. I think it's this important thing for us to learn to be real, even when we pray. You know, I think that there's times, and I don't mean to, to put down anybody that's not this. Um, have you ever talked to people who, like, you're talking to them, it's just a normal conversation like this. You're getting ready to pray before a meal, and you're like, yeah, it's a good day, it's a good day. Someone want to pray for me? Like, yeah, I'll pray. Dear Lord! We, and they're, like, yelling. It's like, do, are, do you don't talk like that normally. Like, just talk to God. He's normal. Or the people who have this specific prayer voice. It's like a totally different usually has like some, and it's like, dear Lord, you know, like, but just being real. There's times where people repeat like crazy. 
ask for the same thing over and over and over and again. And I guess childlike faith and kids typically ask you for something over and over and over again and call your name over and over and over again. But I think that um, there's so much here that we could learn about prayer. Just talking to God, letting Him hear our hearts, being real and authentic before Him. Not feeling like we need to yell to get His attention, repeat over and over again, or agree with everything else somebody says. Have you ever been in prayer with people like that? Lord, I agree with what my brother John said. Like, I mean, I think that there's beauty in that because the Word says that if we agree, two or more agree in prayer, he's going to listen. You know, like, there's, there's things in that that are beautiful, but, but my challenge for me, my challenge for us is that we go to God in such a way that we're just real. We just talk to Him. He's listening. We just talk to Him. Um, God knows what we want and what we need before we ask. He's listening to more than our words. I asked it before, but what's he hearing from you? Is he hearing things like, God, I'm really too busy. God, I'm too tired. God, I hope people think that my prayer sounds really cool. God, I hope that people think that I am whatever because I'm standing here at prayer, because I'm at this prayer meeting, because whatever it is, or is God hearing from our hearts, God, I want to be with you. God, I want this feeling of distance to be removed. I, I really think in my own life, if you had to like take a look at my life um, and say, what is prayer? Could you look at my life and figure out what prayer is like? For any of us, could you? And I, I don't know if, 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 if that could be said, but... My challenge is that we would talk to him, that we wouldn't worry so much about what we say, that we would care more about our heart. The other thing I was thinking about this is this. Um, you know, Sarah and I's long-distance relationship was 20 years ago when there was no such thing as text message, right? Some of my best times of prayer are just like I'm sending God text messages. I'm driving, I see something like the, the sun's going down, and I'll just be like, man, God, that is beautiful. So my challenge is, is go to him. Send him a text message. There was a, uh, I, I, man, I shouldn't say this. I hate when churches have cheesy sayings out on their boards. I confess that I probably shouldn't hate that, but I do. But one that I saw, God accepts knee mails. <laughs> Sorry if you came up with that one. But it really is true. Like, we can go to, we can send God a, a quick text message. We can send him an email. Oh, man. But I think the thing is, is do we really want to talk to him? Are we functionally living like we're in a long-distance relationship with God? I think that oftentimes we are. But here's the beauty of all of this. We're not. Sarah and I are not in a long-distance relationship anymore. In us with the Lord, we're not in a long-distance relationship anymore. He left the comforts of heaven to come to earth, to be with people. And then once we come into a relationship with him, we have the Holy Spirit. And so the only way that anyone in here should be living in a long-distance relationship with the Lord is if you've never entered into a relationship with him. 
And if you haven't, then that's where the start is, is that you enter into a relationship with them. But for those of us who have a relationship with them, we've been given the Holy Spirit, you're not in a long-distance relationship. And how crazy would it be if Sarah and I still acted as if we lived in this long-distance relationship? If we still didn't talk until night? That wouldn't be healthy for our relationship. If we were too busy, if every time I talked, she started to fall asleep, it wouldn't be good relationship. So my challenge is, is that we're real before the Lord, that we talk to Him, but also we realize that we have a cell phone. that We can, in essence, talk to Him. We can send Him text messages throughout the day. And the enemy is definitely at work trying to get us to be convinced that, that's, that He's not listening. But the distance has been removed because of Jesus. And the cool thing is, is he's never too busy for us to go to him. He's never too tired of listening to us, even though sometimes we pray the same thing over and over and over again. He wants us to come to him. He wants to be with us. You don't need an appointment, you know. Like for me, it was, Sarah and I almost had to have this appointment set up since we were in this long distance relationship. You don't need an appointment to go to the Lord. I was thinking about Facebook, or not Facebook, FaceTime. One of the cool things about FaceTime, I think, is like my brother. My brother lives in California. My brother FaceTimed me the other day with the kids, my, my uh, niece and nephew. And we're, we're talking, and he just moved into a new house. And not only do I get to see my brother, but I also get to see what his surroundings look like and what's going on around him. And I think this, the same is true when we really begin to get into a deep relationship with the Lord of prayer. When we go to him, we not only see a better picture of him, but we begin to see almost the heavenly realms. Like even John, like if you read through Revelation, you kind of wonder if John was tripping on acid or if he was just really deep in his relationship with the Lord, but he like escapes the, the earthly realm and he sees the heavenly realm and he sees angels flapping their wings and covering their eyes. And I think that there's something so powerful about prayer. When, when we go to the Lord not wanting to be seen by other people, not wanting to be heard by other people, not trying to come up with these fancy ways to say it, but we just go to Him. We realize that the distance has been removed because of Jesus, that He's never too busy for us, that He's never too tired for us, that He's just so excited for us to be there with Him. It'll radically change. And so for the next several weeks, as we continue to dive deeper into what does it mean to, to pray, my, my heart cries out for myself and for all of us that we would not live as if we were in a long-distance relationship with the Lord, that we would realize that He is here. And Keith, it was like you and I talked and planned out what you'd say, uh, which did not happen. But Jesus came, and now we have the Spirit. My prayer is that we would not live as if we're in a long-distance relationship with Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much that You came close. That You are here. That we don't need to come to You with fancy words. We don't need to come to You, in essence, wanting other people to think something about our relationship with You that's not there. God, we just want to come to You as You are. We want to come to You being real. And God, we want to know you. We want this relationship with you to grow. So God, um, we thank you for Jesus that eliminated that massive distance between us. That gives us this ability to come before you, to pray to you, and to know that you are listening. 
and that you already know before we even pray. So God, we just, um, we just thank you. And we want to come before you even now. And God, if there's anyone in this room that has been struggling with really talking to you, maybe they're frustrated with what's going on in their life, maybe they're hurt. Maybe they have felt a distance between you and them that's not really actually there. I just pray that today would be a time that you break down those walls, that we would be a people who sit before you and talk to you. In Jesus' name, amen.